0: The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's six minutes after eight. Once again, a very good morning. Thank you for joining me. My name is Darshan Mudli. With the December holidays now upon us, a period that's traditionally characterized by a high road accident rate and fatality rate, this morning on The Forum, we're examining safety tips for the festive season to ensure that you get to your destinations safely. Joining me on the line, Gilberto Martins, the acting CEO of the Road Traffic Management Corporation, and Peggy Mars, committee member of Women in Road Safety. Peggy, good morning. Thank you very much for joining me.
1: Good morning, Gershon. How are you this very morning?
0: I'm doing very well this morning, and I think what we'd like to do is uh, start with Mr. Martins as well. Mr. Martins, good morning. Good morning, Deshin. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I think that where we'd like to start the discussion is, is the various aspects that you have to prepare for when you get onto the roads. How, how I prepare my car, then how we prepare ourselves, and then perhaps others our passengers like kids. And then we'll deal with a raft of, uh, of concerns that have come in on SMS, people talking about uh, you know stray animals being on the road, traffic lights not working, speeding, rubbernecking. These are some of the concerns that we're getting in and maybe some of the tips that... Uh, you can help us out with if you'd like to do so. Three four seven zero one. Mr. Martins, how should we prepare our car before we embark on any festive season road trip?
2: Well, first of all, the most important thing is the car is important, but even more important than the car is the mind. So if one certainly has an attitude that before one leaves, one says we're going to prepare our car, there are basic visual checks that any person, not necessarily having to be a mechanic or of any particular technical skill, can just take a walk around the car before they leave and depart. For example... Are all the lights working? That simply means you you don't just get into the car. You physically have someone in the car. You test all the lights, and you walk around and see if the indicators are working, if the brake lights are working, if your headlights are working. Because at times one climbs into a car and you put the lights on, you think they're on, but they may not be working because you haven't looked at it. You look at your tires. I mean, clearly they must have tread on it, there. It's very simple. You can see if tires tire's got tread. But if it hasn't got tread or it's a minimal tread, then that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a safety hazard. If any of the mechanical parts are not working properly, doors aren't closing properly, your uh, seat belt is not locking properly into its place, those are the visual things that you need to look at. Even simply the cleanness of a windscreen. Is important because it's a visibility that makes sure that when you pack a car, there's no visible uh, obstacles on the back, for example. Make sure you can see out of your rear view mirror directly at the back windscreen and the two side mirrors. Most cars have got side mirrors. And I think why don't you do that as a procedure? automatically you engage your mind into the ethic of being a good driver before you even start packing and putting children in the car or friends, or just about to leave yourself.
0: Peggy Mars, should we be doing these things by ourselves? Or, or should we, you know, for example, when you're checking your lights, if, if you're a single person, it's going to be a difficult uh, task for you to press the brake and then run to the back of the car to check if the lights are working. So uh, how, how do we do that? And, and what's more practical if we want to get these things checked out properly?
3: what,
1: you can go to your local petrol station where you fill up, and just ask the the petrol attendant to help you have a good look around, check the water, check your oil, all of those things, check the lights, Um, and they are usually more than willing to help you Uh,
0: What about the mechanical problems now, because I've heard from so many people who say the odd squeak and the odd rattle nothing too big to be concerned about but on a longer journey, that's when it becomes more concerning
1: no, you, you should, if you embark on a long journey, you should take your car, you can take it to the AA um, to have it checked out, or you can take it again to your um, local mechanic and ask him just to have a good look and tell you what all those squeaks are about and give you an honest opinion. Should you have it repaired or, you know, is it's something that you can ignore?
0: What's the recommendation when it comes to tyres, Mr. Martins? Uh, h- how should we be checking those? Because there's there's some very specific ways that we that we're meant to be checking our tyre tread.
1: Uh, tyre well, tread by law should be no less than one millimeter. Now that is the uh, head of a um, a match. You know where where it starts burning that little sulfur block. That's about one millimeter.
0: M- Mr. i it, 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 that's just not it, though, isn't it? Because there's also variability in in the way that the tire wears as well. It's not just about checking the one millimeter, is it?
2: Yeah, correct. Because, you know, often you get tires that don't wear evenly. Mm. This is the thing, and Piggy's right. You, you can't just assume the mechanicals are all that clad, you've done your life. Tires will wear on the inside. Tires will wear on the outside. It, your whole wheel alignment, when you brake, it calls here to the left or right. It's a simple procedure if if the car, the wheels are, are balanced and the alignment is done, your tires are certainly working smoothly on the road. But the important thing is you've only got four little patches of rubber that are keeping you on the road at any one time. So certainly you've got to make sure that one of those patches of rubber that are on there, they certainly are working in alignment. And when you brake, the car shouldn't be veering to the left or to the right. It should be able to be a stable way of driving. And your tires are very, very important because that's the only adhesive you have to the road on your four tires.
0: Now, you also mentioned visibility as something that we need to take into account. We, we, often use, uh, we often put these triangles as warning triangles in our cars. Most people, I think, have one or some even not having any. But what's the recommendation? How many should we have, Mr. Martins?
2: Well, the triangle is an important issue because if you have to stop anywhere, the triangle is to alert other motors that your vehicle is stuck on the side of the road. So you have to have one triangle in the car because clearly it's for oncoming traffic. So if you on the left-hand side, you'll put the, the triangle far behind the car to alert the motorist that's coming. Obviously, nowadays, you get cars which have got the hazard lights. I mean, these are the kind of things that if anything happens, you have to stop on a busy road. First, try and pick a proper spot. Sometimes you may not have the option to drive straight on, but if you have to stop... The visibility is important, and even at times what you often notice, which is extremely dangerous, everybody comes out of the car, but instead of moving away from the vehicle, they mill around the edge of the road. Now, you realize if something goes wrong, and a car hits your car. They'll at the same time hit the people that are standing milling around. So if you've got to change a tire, when people get out the car, at least make sure they are far away from the car, should something go wrong. But so you haven't got this big congestion around the car, so if another vehicle unfortunately knocks into you, you don't have a horrendous crash where people are just milling around the road.
0: So just to confirm, we only need one triangle in our car, not two, because some African countries do require two, and especially when you go across the border into Mozambique or Zimbabwe, for example, you're required to have more than more than one.
2: Well, if the one triangle is a requirement to be because that's the one that's the visibility at the back of the car where the vehicle is stopped.
0: Peggy Mars, uh, any other points that you think we need to, to be aware of before we set out on the journey, how we prepare our cars uh, for that journey?
1: Yes, certainly. Um, you know, Preparing your vehicle is also preparing the inside. Make sure that if you are travelling with your children that you have the appropriate car seat uh, in, in, the, in the vehicle. Mm that it is correctly installed, that it is correctly assembled. And, yes, you know, do restrain your children in their car seat before you go. Is
0: it, is it a difficulty, do you think, for, for South Africans to to do that? Because we've seen so many people who drive on the roads with their kids bouncing around in the back seat or the front seat.
1: Yeah, no, we do, we do. Um, and I would like to think that it is simply that people don't know the importance instead of them not loving their children or, or being, you know, ignorant. We, we are not that. Um, but it is very, very important. You know, the, the primary safety devices within the vehicle is the seat belt, the airbag, and the headrest. And they're all designed for adults. They're not designed for children. And that is why you need the car seat in the vehicle for your child to keep them safe.
0: It's a quarter past eight here on the forum at eight. Give us a call now if you have any questions for our guests. 891 That number again, 891 You can also SMS me on 34701, 34701. Uh, Some of the SMSs that have just come through on the forum at eight, this one unsigned. Uh, Well, I think you can start by not telling people to SMS and tweet you about road accidents. Because that's where people get the information first of all, and this is this whole animal accident thing you're on about. It's the driver's fault, of course. If he didn't speed, he would have been able to stop in time. Well, let's deal with those two points. The, the first one is South Africans and our tendency to be to, to rubberneck, I think, is is how it's informally called. Because we we see an accident, we think it's very tragic, but it's incredibly captivating, Mr. Martins.
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think the whole cell phone industry and the, the, the treaty and the SMSing and the whole distraction that the cell phone causes is a problem. And the problem is that in an instant, at the speed you're doing, you suddenly upon another vehicle and it's too late. Um so certainly the issue that people are, uh, SMSing up is an accident here and an accident there. Um certainly that's not called for because what normally happens is you go into any social networks, for example, the the Medcare, the Medcare team, they they, they they tweet it out immediately. So you don't need to be an individual to do it because they are on the scene. They would have alerted the, the, the law enforcement agencies. We get a report straight away the minute there's a, a, a crash. We, we send it out to all the media because it's an important thing that anybody knows. But you don't physically need to start now becoming that person unless you stop. And you're really not at that accident scene and you say, well, okay, we heard it on the radio. But the difficulty with all the messaging and the tweeting, it's any distraction in the car. It's from people putting makeup on. It's people trying to read a map while driving. It's trying to put into your tom-tom the your directions where you're going. But not stop are physically moving. And those distractions, you don't realize that if the person suddenly of you stops, you may not have any time to break it all. So those distractions are, again, an ethic of a person not to do them. And that's something that no matter how much law enforcement you have, unfortunately, it's even about the state of the person.
0: I just want to return to preparing the car because let's, let's exhaust that part of the conversation first before we, we move on to preparing our mind and then looking at some of the challenges that people face on the roads. Uh, have we exhausted preparing our cars uh, in terms of tire pressure? How do we check that? And, and what's the best time to check your, your tire pressure, Peggy?
1: Um, tire pressure should be checked on cold wheels, and you should really uh, check the manufacturer's um, guidelines. You know, that is usually on the inside of the driver's door. There would be a sticker that suggests what your tire pressure should be. Please don't overinflate and do not under-inflate. Both of them are no good.
0: Mr. Martins, do you find that a lot of people are over-inflating their tyres? There's supposed to be this purported fuel consumption gain if you do so. Uh, there's, uh, you know, these web posts about hyper-miling, how you can, you know, increase your your distance and your fuel consumption can, can be improved if you, if you brake at a certain time and, and you predict and, and also over-inflate your tyres.
2: Look, I think there's many things that could quite right. I think the tyre set by the manufacturing is a safety issue. Now, the important thing is that if you load your car, you're about to leave on a trip, you load the car. When you get to the petrol station, you now, say, check your tires. They'll be checking the tire pressure with the fully loaded vehicle, which may have an extra 500 kilos, for example. When you get to the destination, you offload most of your stuff. Suddenly, your tire pressure is overinflated. You need to go back to the petrol station and recheck now just for three passengers you have. I think what one does is one is really we assume that the tire pressure, once you do it, oh, it's the next time. I think what's important the tire pressure, it's a constant. You should check it regularly, and it's for the conditions that you had in the car. If it's full, if it's empty, if it's, you know, if you, because in terms of the theory about, oh, the road plays an important role. So if you're now going on a, on a long trip, and the car is full, You make sure that the tyre pressure is required as per the manufacturer, where it actually tells you, if you've got four passengers, it'll be X. If you've got one passenger, it'll be Y. And I think if you maintain that, what does it do? It makes sure that the lifespan of a tyre is looked after, and number two, that the safety factor of that tyre, whether it be in an emergency braking system, whether you've got a veer, whether you've got a, a, a acceleration, the tire will not be compromised. So if people are going on to look at websites and saying if they're over they'll get more kilometers per liter, it might compromise their braking distance. It might compromise other areas. If you start braking, the tire might shred. So it's those things that one's going to be extremely careful. The manufacturer sets that tire pressure because of a lifespan on that tire at a particular type of road and for a particular type of action that's been taken.
0: Peggy Ma is also joining me on the line, member of uh, the Women in Road Safety. Peggy, do you find that there's particular information that, that women need to have at this time of year? I, I don't want to be sexist about this, but, I mean, it's it's the old adage of, well, you know, women aren't the greatest drivers, and I don't want to feed into that, but, but are there particular types of information that you feel that, that the different sexes need to have more awareness of?
1: Um, you know what, for me it is pertaining to the driver, whether you are male or female, you need to to drive defensively. But it is usually the women who, who pack the lunch boxes, the cooler bag, all of those things, you know. Um, just make sure that, that as a woman driver you are aware of your vehicle, that you know your vehicle, that um, you know that, that that your vehicle is packed correctly. Uh, weight is evenly distributed. That you don't have any loose items in the vehicle, um, because all of the loose items will become projectiles during a collision and can hurt people. You know, so as a woman, I think just inform yourself about as as, as much as you possibly can. W-
0: what about driving with your lights on? Do you, do you advise your members to do that?
1: Yes, we do. We do. Yeah.
0: And w- what's the advantage of this? Help us understand why we why we should.
1: Um, during the day, it is not, not as much for, for you to see better, but for you to be more visible to other um, um, drivers. And it's all about visibility. You know, if if another driver can see you coming, then they can act accordingly.
0: Mr. Martins, Peggy was talking there about defensive driving. Now, it's it's not just about protecting us against accidents. It's also about, as you were saying earlier, improving the, the life of our cars and uh, improving the, the fuel consumption.
2: Yeah, correct. and I think unfortunately when one looks at the at the crashes and the fatalities, there the is a lack of defensive driving. It's an attitude type of driving. A defensive driving, you'd certainly review what's happening around you. You take cognizance of what's happening around you, of the cars around you. If you're driving on a real road, you'd be aware of, of of animals that may be crossing, stray animals. So defensive driving, you basically are trying to anticipate any possible problem that may happen. Now, if you're driving at that. You certainly would be keeping within speed limits. You'd be changing your driving habits for the condition of the roads that you're going with because you'd be certainly trying to find your position on that road in relation to other people. Um, so if there's a car ahead of you, you won't come screaming behind it. What we find is that that sense of driving has been replaced by an attitude driving. Mm. And the attitude driving is all about what you earlier said about the human factor. So we at the RTMC, when we do massive roadblocks, we give out pants. just like Peggy's organization. We tell people, this is the top 20 things that you need to check before you leave. We do it on, on the toll roads. We do it at the toll gates. But some people will look at it and say, oh, this is interesting. But it doesn't change the pattern and the way they drive. Um, and you've often seen it. People will come up behind, you, see, you talk about rubber necking rubber necking is one of those things that happens constantly because people assume that when they get close to that car they can overtake it and when they can't they don't give themselves space for the next drive behind them they just stay there because it's it's okay, you don't have to worry about it and, and I think that's where we lost that whole ability of saying a defensive driver would certainly make sure that he defends the position that he's Driving in in relation to everything around him, and that certainly we find many or most of our crashes does not happen.
0: Miss Mars, what emergency numbers should we have in case we do spot an accident? In case we're involved in an accident, what what emergency numbers do you think uh, we should have as motorists?
1: Um, it is the oh two nine one one. We should have that on our phones all the time. And on the major routes, all the toll concessions have got billboards all along that give you the emergency number to call. And there's also little blocks along the route at um, a short distances apart, which gives you the exact placement of where you are. They're usually blue. They have the route on it and also numbers which indicate exactly where you are at. Now, if you can quote the number of the nearest one that you have passed, that also gives the emergency response vehicle an exact indication of where you are at, and then they can get to you much quicker.
0: Mr. Martins, uh, any other numbers apart from
1: 082911?
2: Well, I has got a call centre number, which is the 0861400800, and that's it to report um, accidents or bad driving or bad behaviour back to a call centre, which we try and link up with the provinces. Now those numbers that you that Peggy was referring to, you were referring to, those numbers are important because it can alert people at the point in time.
0: And those and blue
2: markers? Yes, yes it, it, it certainly allows you to be. You're saying this is what's happening, but more important that um, those numbers aren't always available in the immediate. Certainly, a call centre number goes into the province with feedback, so it's very important that when you're on a route, and, and Peggy quite rightly said, if you're on a main road where you don't have um, if, it's not a, if it's not a highway where you don't have a toll concession or, or toll or toll gates or then really it's really important to make sure it leads you know the towns that you're in that you get into that space. Because to go on a on a call, sometimes it happens that you you between towns. If I can give an example, um, Beaufort, West Langwell, you get a long stretch of road. There's nothing in between, and certainly if something has to happen, what you want is to try and get a lead to the closest town as opposed to, yes, it will go to internationally, which will then lead back to where you are. But it's important to try and really understand the environment that you're driving in, because that does certainly help.
0: Well, if you'd like to call in 891 104 we'll be taking your calls. Are you going on any long-distance journeys this festive season? Tell us how well-prepared you are and what you did to prepare for this journey or perhaps if you've ever been involved in an accident, tell us how we can perhaps avoid those things. 34701, give me a call on 891 Let's talk a little bit further now about how we prepare ourselves. So we've prepared our car. Now, how, how do we prepare the, as a driver, Ms. Ms, Ms, Ms Mars? So, you know, should we be taking having enough sleep and, and water, uh, you know, preventing fatigue, those kind of things for, for ourselves? Most certainly,
1: most certainly. Make sure that you are well-rested. And on your journey, you know, just rest every two hours or every 200 kilometers. Do pull over at a safe spot. Stretch your legs. Let the kids get out, you know, but again, very importantly, at a safe spot. Like one of your bigger um, petrol stations. And also, you know, make sure that you've got snacks packed. Make sure you have got water. Make sure that in the vehicle you have everything within reach that you need. So you don't need to lean under the dash into a handbag or something, you know, and take your eyes off the road. And um, never drink and drive John. I mean, if that is the message for the season I mean, please, don't drink
0: and drive Don't drink and drive John Adams Singer calls in He's, uh, He travels all the time, John John, good morning
3: Good morning um, You know, I just see amazing things on the road And I, I, I'm travelling like 8,000 kilometres a month uh, On the road all the time But one of the things that really irritates me Is that our officials seem to be the worst drivers um, you know, I get overtaken on solid barriers by SAP vehicles, continuously breaking the speed limit. There's no example. Um, and all government vehicles, they're, just, they're the worst drivers.
0: John, well, so, well, you know, why do you drive yeah, so much, John?
3: Um, I'm actually calling on all the courts throughout the country to do uh, DNA testing.
0: And so, so you need to travel in order to do that?
3: Yes, yeah. know we actually offer service at the courts, so we go to the courts to do a DNA test for them.
0: So, how do you? What, what do you notice about ordinary road users now? Not the government officials and the government cars. No, well,
3: uh, I think we've actually lost the plot completely, and our policing is shocking. I mean, I I actually got pulled up for a road check by an SAP vehicle, and I said, "Did you see that vehicle?" Passing me with no number plate, and he asked me if that was, a, if that was illegal. I said to him, well, if, you know, that's quite obvious that people have their number plate. You know, it's ridiculous.
0: John, thank you for your call there, John M. Singer. Uh, Adam Singer who calls in. He drives all the time. He says, uh, just approaching 8:30 now. We will continue our conversation with Gilberto Martins. Uh, who's the acting CEO of the Road Traffic Management Corporation, and Peggy Maas, committee member of Women in Road Safety, picking up some of the points that you've uh, called in about, and also these SMSs that have come through. Let's read more of them now. Paul in Cape Town continues to add to the stray animals topic. He says, we have municipalities putting up road warning signs indicating stray animals. It's like telling the owner that he's allowed to let his animals stray. There are boards in certain areas for many years already, which goes to prove that nothing more is done than to illuminate this problem, says Paul in Cape Town. We'll touch on that uh, just after the break. Kevin also writes in from Margate, says, Speed on the roads, undoubtedly one of the biggest culprits in causing motor accidents. Mvouya and KZN drivers should have respect for life, both theirs and that of other people. And Buff Mags at Durban says we all need to consider the philosophy of enough. Bigger and more is not always better, says Buff Mags. 8:30 now news headlines with Utsi Lesaku. eight on SAFM. I will we'll definitely be listening in from 9 o'clock we're in a bit on Morning Talk. Let's continue our conversation on the forum today talking about road safety tips for the festive season. 34701 if you'd like to write in or give me a call 891 So we've talked about preparing your car and now preparing yourself, your own mind and others around you like your kids. Uh, Peggy Mars, committee member of Women in Road Safety. Peggy, preparing our children, not an easy thing, is it?
1: It is not, because it is long trips. They do get bored. They do get, you know, crotchety on the back of the car. But um, please, you know, you, you, you have to prepare them that we are going on holiday. You know, the fun is at the other end, but we have to get their impact. Um, get toys for them to play with, not too much sugar-laden sweets, because that will just hurt their energy levels. And as I said, do stop regularly and um, let them run around. Let them get rid of the energy. And, um, but most importantly, you know, they have to be in their car seats.
0: No, you say we must stop regularly. We're advised to take a break every two hours yeah. or every yeah. 200 kilometers. Yeah. When, when traveling with children, should we perhaps even lessen that, that distance of the time?
1: You can. You can. You know, you need to gauge it in the vehicle. If the kids are getting difficult over play game with them um, at the petrol station, you know let them, let them go to the toilets, let them have a drink of water, and then let them play on the playground that's usually there. let them, let them get rid of some of the energy and then they will settle down again and have some toys, play games with them in the vehicle. you know ice pie is a favorite, and um, make the word games with registration numbers if your children are a little bit older. Engage them all the time. Discuss um, all the road signs that you see. Um, Help them play games and and distance games. You know, how how far are we? How many kilometers do we still have to go? All those kinds of things to keep them busy and keep them active.
0: I'm thinking perhaps it's also a good time to also start with road safety tips. Educate them about what you're doing and what you're trying to do to protect them on the journey to their final holiday destination.
1: Absolutely. As drivers um, and parents, you must be aware that you are the first person who's already training your child to be a driver you know they will copy when they're driving every- everything that you do
0: and mr martins that's a that's a chilling reminder that when we don't obey the rules of the road, somebody else is watching, and it's not the police it's it's our young people who are learning from us
2: yes Charlotte. So I think NPEG is quite likely. This is why at the RTFC we have a massive a campaign of, of road safety education. And we do target from the from the toddlers all the way up. Because what we're saying is that we're trying to influence those minds at the bottom where quite likely, when they're in the vehicle they must understand that you, there are some rules to be part of a triple when you're in a car. You don't stand up on the front seat. You don't lean forward. Because unfortunately it, you always think it's going to happen to somebody else. So we certainly, in our road safety campaigns, and when you say road safety, we include cyclists, we include pedestrians, we include motorcyclists, because road safety, it should not be an event, it should not be over Christmas, it shouldn't be over Easter. Road safety is every single day. You know, a mom dropping off a child at school, it might be half a kilometer, make sure the child's buckled up. Because it's this little thing that if you start there, then when they go to the shop, the same half a kilometer, the child will want to buckle up. And yes, this is like litter. If the dad throws uh, litter out the window, then the child will say, but you did it, Dad. So what you want to do is really try and get the the basic road safety at a level where it should be a norm. It shouldn't be a special thing. The car seat, when you buy a, a car, it shouldn't be a major issue but whether you should get a car seat or not. If you've got a young child that requires a car seat, it should be the next best thing when you buy the car seat. Oh, oops, we need a car seat. And it shouldn't, you shouldn't have to think twice about it. And I think that's really the one it's trying to get to. But sadly, you can do as much education as you want, but unless the person is taking into cognizance what the impact is of that education, that's where we, 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 we tend to lose it. So it's, it's not good enough, and we sometimes get criticized, a roadblock and you pull off a car and there'll be a child standing in the front seat and when you bring it to the, you're not even going to give them a ticket you're trying to just explain the, the danger the, the, the person gets kind of irate with you and this is the interesting thing is when you say look at 30 kilometers a child sitting in a seat under the strain will go straight through that wind and you won't even realize it uh, if it's a dead impact, so it, it certainly is a, a difficulty with education. You can teach and teach and teach, but then someone's got to act on it.
0: Well, Ms. Martins, I'm also wondering about pets. We may not have uh, children to take with us, but we may have pets. Should we be restraining them in the car some way?
2: Look, pets in cars, certainly we, we've seen less. But people do take pets in their cars. And unfortunately, um, you know, pits want to be with open windows, for example. And you'll find people driving with pits on their laps, pits on their shoulders. Pits with or the drivers on their lap with their heads sticking out the driver's side. Now, that's a distraction. That's a clear distraction. So certainly, if you're taking a pit in a car... It, Either there should be somebody else with you, where the pet is sitting on someone's lap, or is restrained and being certainly shouldn't be wandering around and, and moving across, you know, from the back to the front because it's a distraction. And by you looking away, simply you're causing a distraction that may result in a fatal accident. Uh,
0: Miss Mars, uh, your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, no, pets must be restrained um, because they they cause a distraction, and um, you know that that distraction then are. Increases the risk of you having a collision, and then your pet then will also get injured. You know, just like your children. Um, the children also big distraction on the road, and that is why, you know, you need to be firm as a parent.
0: Let's go to the lines once again. 0891104208. Gulen is uh, going on a long trip this uh, season. He's from Lydon, Asia. Good morning, Gulen. Hi.
2: I just got a suggestion, but it's more for uh, internal driving.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Normally when you're traveling uh, within the city bumper to bumper, there also a lot of accidents happen, right? So my suggestion is, and when I apply, and it seems to work, is people normally come right up to your bumper. So what, what you should do is, when the person is in the car, and you look from your steering, you must be able to see the bottom of the tire of the car in front. I don't know if I'm describing properly. Mm-hmm. I think we hear you. In that way, uh, there's a safe distance, so you know that that, beca- that becomes your guide when you're traveling, so you don't bump into the car in front of
0: you. Good, and thanks for that Thank call. Uh, Peggy, is, is that going to constitute the, the two-second uh, you, you know, following distance that we're supposed to be maintaining, if we can see the, the tires of the car?
1: Uh, the two-second depends on the speed that you are driving at. Look, if it is in congested situations like we have in the inner city, yes, keep make sure that you can see the bottom bit of the tire of the guy in front of you. But if you are on the highway, for instance, traveling at 120 kilometers an hour, mm. you need to increase that distance. And you measure it with a marker on the side of the road, you know, pass it, count one, two, and and, and see how far you are from the car in front of you. Increase the following distance if you are not sure, you know.
0: I got an SMS just a short while ago uh, that I read out uh, during the programme earlier on which was from a, a member of, of uh, our, our audience, our listeners, who who was saying they, they get really irritated when someone's on their back bumper and what they mm-hmm. do is simply slam the brakes, give them a bit of a shock and then suddenly mm-hmm. they you know the the following their following distance increases. Now mm-hmm. I, I know we should resist the temptation to retaliate, shouldn't we? Yes, yes, we
4: really
1: should. You know, we have to keep a cool head. Um you you shouldn't do that because that can cause a collision and, and and we we advise people to drive defensively. You know, when you do that you don't provoke. And it is it is just, you know, keep at your speed, drive drive um carefully and, and don't let another driver intimidate you. You know, we have to follow the rules of the road. And not, you know, the the, there is certain right of ways And that is not the biggest bully has the right of way But
0: the rules of the road We also see South Africans out there, Miss Martins who, uh, Or rather Miss Mars uh, Who mm-hmm. who simply, you know, eat Maybe they're not on their cell phones But they, they've got a huge burger in their hands In one oh, hand yes. And they've got a Coke in the other hand And they're yes. busy trying to manage the steering wheel All in between their meal yes. I, yes. I, I mean, this is that against the rules of the road?
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It all constitutes to distracted driving. You know, if you're eating something, if you're on your cell phone, even if it's on a hands free kit, you are still not um, able to focus 100% on the road because it's different bits of your brain that is activated and that is engaged at the time. So don't eat while you drive. Don't, on not on your cell phone, don't drink that cool drink. Um, Make sure that your kids, your pets, and everything else in the vehicle don't distract you. Um, make sure you focus on the road, you know, and that safe capsule around you. Be aware of other vehicles around you, how they are placed, speeds that they are approaching. Look at least twelve kilometers ahead. See what people are doing there. If you see somebody way up is pressing on their brake lights, be aware of it, you know. And oh. you can't do that when you are busy with three other things at the same time.
0: 0891104208 one, one, oh, eight, if you'd like to call in. Janus has called in from Cape Town. Good morning, Janus.
1: Good morning, thank you for taking
2: my call. You're welcome. Road safety is, is very important for us and too many people are dying on the roads and there are consequences for the family and also of course we, a uh, sad story. But I would like to ask for regulation of the transporting of the workers in open, especially on open buggy or any type of the car. You know, the taxis are, they cannot take uh, a take, take maximum of passengers. you got a situation when on the road you can sometimes see that the workers are sitting on the edge. There are too many of them in, in open buggy, you know, and it creates very danger. I had a situation where actually one worker, uh, from, uh, when I drive in front, uh, at the back of, fall down from the car and nearly smart that guy, you know. So it should be regulated. We should have a sort of uh, regulation which ma- maximum of our workers that should sit should comfortably, not hanging outside.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Yanis, for calling in. Uh, we do have to say goodbye to Peggy Mars and our committee member of, of Women in Road Safety. But Peggy, Peggy, perhaps you'd like to just respond to Yanis before you leave.
1: Um, yes, yes. We must be very careful of overloading. And certainly, you know, please know people on the back of buckets. It is very, very, very dangerous. And if I can have just one last say for the holidays, you know, stick to the rules of the road. They're there to protect us. And actually, we should go beyond that. Instead of just driving legally, we should be driving lovingly.
0: Peggy, thank you very much for that final thought. Thank Peggy Mars, appreciate thank your you time today. Bye-bye. Committee member of Women in Road Safety. Continuing our conversation then with Gilberto Martins, who joins me on the line from the Road Traffic Management Corporation. Uh, let's let's go a little bit further than just simply saying, well, workers should not be on the back of a baki. Is this illegal if they're a back of, of a bucky? Can we have our animals in the back of those bakis as well, Mr. Martins? Yeah, look, the, the
2: transporting of workers in back of a bucky, including equipment, is I mean, illegal in the that what happens is that You you cannot, it should not be done because the back of the bucket is is to carry goods, not people. So certainly it's it's very simple. The back of the bucket is to carry sand or or parts of cars or vehicles, but it's not to carry people. So the person is now illegally, illegally being transported. It's, just, it's saying, for example, if you're transporting hazardous materials, it's ways of transporting hazardous materials. So all those issues, and, and, and I think that the, the problem is that people tend to complicate the issue. The one thing I think is very, very important, transport and the movement of people from point A to point B is critical. Some people's livelihoods, and sometimes we tend to very simplify it, say, like, oh, no, but people shouldn't do this, people shouldn't come to the back of the bus. Sadly, um, at times people have got no other way of getting from point A to point B. they on the back of the bucket. And that is the, the real issue here. We, we, 65% of our our people are sitting in poverty, in the lower index of in poverty school, poverty areas. They need public transport. They need to travel in some of those unregulated taxis. They need to travel in the back of the bucket. Why? It's a point of from then surviving. It's to get to a job, it's to get to a school. So certainly sometimes it's very, very difficult that one tries to regulate everything, but then you've got to make sure that all the steps are in place to provide alternatives. So yes, that's where the Bucky should not be. It's for transporting of, of materials and equipment, not transporting of people.
0: I've driven down to Durban quite often from Johannesburg, and there's often stray animals that you can see on the side of the roads, even cattle that uh, sometimes wander out onto the uh, the M3 freeway, just as you're entering into into Pinetown and into Durban. Oh, and and you sometimes see, actually, people, drivers stop on the freeway and start escorting those animals off the road, putting their own lives at risk, but obviously trying to protect other people, what is the way that we should handle stray animals on the road and what happens if there's an accident? Who's liable?
2: Yeah, this is a big concern because first of all, the stray animal is, is, belongs to someone and often what you, what you should have in the long, certainly on the highways and the rule are is a little bit more difficult, but certainly on our national roads there should be a fence all the way along to prevent any animals from moving across onto, onto a national road or a provincial road or the highways. In the rural areas, clearly, if, if something happens, you'll normally find that those animals belong to people in that vicinity. They may have a herd person walking around, but it still doesn't give them the right to cross the roads. Now, if an accident happens on an animal street on a highway, um, one, it would be hard to trace the person because that animal may be there as a group of animals, and by the time uh, the, whole accident, the whole crash is over, you will have to try and locate who the person is. Secondly, that that animal, the fact that they're on that particular stretch of road, um, it may have got across, and normally you would get a barrier, whether it's a fence, would have gone across there. And that means that the property belongs to someone. So that person is liable to ensure that he maintains the the cattle within the the constraints of his property. It's the same as if you've got a a dog. It's on your property. If it runs out or if it bites someone, you are responsible because you have not taken the appropriate action to make sure that that animal is in the enclosure. So the, the the stray animals are a problem, and certainly we have some of our teams on the, on, the, on the concessionaires to make sure that there's always a, a fence along, but certainly in some of the rural areas, and if you think further towards the Rustenburg area, some of those roads, very small, lots of animals crossing, those are problematic, and um, the warning sign animals are there, it's a warning, but certainly it doesn't uh, take the track from the fact that animals should not be on those particular roads.
0: It's 10 to 9, we'll take more calls after this, 891 Stay tuned. Thanks to Telcom Business,
4: I can start my next business venture with confidence because from the get-go, I'll have fast uncapped ADSL.coza domain registration hosting with storage and email. Yep, that's going to be the next big thing, only bigger. Just as soon as I figure out what the next venture is going to be. Get an uncapped deal from Telcom Business and get your business going for the promotional price of 3.99 a month. Call 10213, visit TelcomShop.co.za, or go to a Telcom store. T's and C's apply. Rethink uncapped. Telcom Business. Is it a bird? Is it
2: a plane? No, it's just Leonard wearing his red underpants
4: over his jeans.
2: Really, Leonard? It's so easy to be a hero. Just pop into
0: PG Glass for a free windscreen safety check. It takes five minutes and could save your life. Enter our competition and you could win a trip for four to Disneyland USA and weekly prizes. Follow us on Facebook to see if you're a winner. Isn't that awesome? T's and T's apply. Be a hero. Be safe on the road. PG Glass. 0860-030303. 03 03 03. The Forum at eight. On SAFM. Leseco writes in on SMS. I'm from Kang and drive around a lot. In Mayekeng, SCOM, SAPS, and government drivers are the worst. Austin says drivers must be tested for courtesy before being given a license and an unsigned SMS. Our slogan should be don't drink and walk because more accidents on the roads are caused by pedestrians rather than drivers. Warren calls in now from the Eastern Cape. Warren, good morning.
4: Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Just a good thought here. Pedestrians are a menace. Now, uh, road safety needs to be taught by uh, provincial traffic officers, local traffic officers, at primary schools, at uh, high schools, specifically at primary schools, that children have to know about roads, about cars, and about the dangers of just crossing in Stutterheim, where I stay, it's a disaster, and in the areas and the environments, people just walk along the roads. They don't care because they've never driven before in their lives, and they just expect they expect that the driver of the car looks after them. Be, they must be aware. Pedestrians have to be aware of drivers of motor cars, young and old, and this is something that the, the road safety has to take up with schools. They have to start teaching school children really, and I'm serious about this, and I've spoken to traffic officers, and I get a blank stare, and I get put it in writing, and we'll do something about it. That's nonsense. What we have to do is bring in traffic officers to schools, show people what traffic lights are all about, what look to the left, look to the right is about. These people are just walking on the roads, As if they own the road and the the poor old driver who is looking out for other cars, other pedestrians, hits them. And this is Mm -hmm. an ongoing problem that we are not going to solve.
0: Thanks for your call there, Warren, in the Eastern Cape. Mr. Martins, I guess it's a bit of arrogance on the parts of of both the driver and the pedestrian, isn't it? Because for some reason, when when we're in the car, we seem to know the rules very well, even if we choose to abide by them or not. But when we become a pedestrian, then suddenly the traffic light is meaningless. We don't have to cross at that intersection. It it doesn't matter whether you drive a car or not. We, We should know the rules.
2: Yeah, and I think what one does is one then takes advantage of the rules. I think the gentleman is right. Um, for example, we know, and I, and I wrote safety, and for, as we speak I'm busy at the moment in Kimberley doing a campaign with cyclists, the young children riding bicycles. And what one does is one puts a lot of energy into training of people, but it then seems to seem that whether it's a child or, or, or an adult or a teenager, that the rule only applies when it suits so if you feel that uh, the speed limit is 80, well, today I'll do 80, but tomorrow I won't. It's not a constant. So in reality, that we are 40% of our fatalities are pedestrians. 30% of our fatalities are not wearing seatbelts. So there's 70% difference one could make overnight. However, to get that 70%, it's got to be a constant. So you don't drink and walk. Correct, you don't drink and walk. When you out at night, visibility, wear bright clothing. Now that we do, but when you see an adult crossing on a highway from one side to the other to get to a shop or to take a shortcut, now no matter how much training you do, no matter what you tell them, it's that choice that they make is a lethal choice to themselves and to any other vehicles on that road.
0: What about the, uh, and the SMSs seem to testify to this, the arrogance by certain government employees driving vehicles, perhaps your own members driving, uh, driving transport vehicles, SAPS, ESCOM uh, vehicles, for example. There seems to be an arrogance by, by some members who work for this government and, and for parastatals who say, well, the rules don't apply to them.
2: Well, uh, that certainly is tragic when we should certainly lead by example. And we certainly are saying that, for example, any of our patrol vehicles, on the National Traffic Police Patrol vehicles, have got a number on it, they've got our call number, and then when the public picks it up, they should report it. And this applies across the board. Whether you're on a public transport, whether you're on a a bus, whether you see a truck, many of these institutions, and the ones that certainly are committed to road safety, often have a report bad driving. Now, even if it's a a police vehicle, you might not have a police vehicles The station or simply the the number plate of it in location. What's very, very important is that road safety does become a burden on people to do something to follow up. And if I can give you a very brief example, if you recall recently the motorcyclist in Johannesburg who was driving with a young girl on the back and the young lady, the young girl had a, a cycling helmet. She did not have a actual helmet for motorcycle. And then a driver took a photograph. And he, it was tweeted in, in all over the world about this, 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 this crazy situation. But he then, he, what he did was he physically laid a charge. Now, by doing that, he actually took all the precautions to ensure that this shouldn't happen. But what happens many times is that we see things, we see someone driving badly. It sometimes even says, report bad driving here. And we don't bother. And I think if we take road safety collectively, if you see a traffic officer or a government vehicle, because you'd recognize them, it'll tell you, or an Eskin vehicle or a bus, any big transporting company, whether it's across border, whether you're at a petrol station, you see one of these interliners coming across doing something silly, report it. Because we certainly believe it's the only way to do it. And if you get no action, then certainly, yes. Some of we will pick it up again. Just we had a case recently, a bus which was leaving Durban on the way to Tata. Um Passengers on the bus felt the bus driver was really doing things crazily, got hold of us, we got hold of the KZN team. The KZN team bought a port shift and stopped the bus, pulled the driver off, and they basically had to replace the bus and the bus wasn't road really. The people took road safety to their own being. So I think it's very, very important that when you see something, you've got to follow all the way through then certainly collectively we can make a
0: difference. Are there certain conditions where we shouldn't act? For example, when we witness a traffic accident, should we always stop the vehicle and get involved in some way?
2: No, I don't think it helps. I think sometimes it complicates the matter. Um, I think people sometimes have got the thing of what can we do? Certainly if you're a doctor or someone who has a paramedic of duty, then you can assist at a particular point in time. I think one should, but the more vehicles that are stopping, the potential for other accidents to happen at that particular spot does occur. But certainly to the third vehicle on a scene, um, there's nothing wrong with stopping and seeing what assistance you can give. Obviously, at times it's, it's difficult because certainly from a medical point of view, it could be difficult. And secondly, depending on the, the, the type of crash that it is. But, yeah, but it's not, it should not become a habit that you, you're arriving at a scene 20 minutes late and you've been bumper to bumper, bumper to bumper, and you decide to pull over to just go and see mm-hmm. what's happening. I think that's not helpful at
0: all. Mr. Martins, I know there'll be more enforcement on the road. I, I hope you'll be inviting me to some of those uh, roadblocks. Uh, road uh, I'd love to have a look at, at what you guys actually do at those roadblocks. But w- will there be more enforcement, and should we be aware of that?
2: Yeah, you, look, what you are saying is that we are doing a 365-day-a-year campaign. You're saying it, but obviously on certain routes, there's a heightened movement of traffic, so we will be enforcing moving violations to get out of our provincial traffic officers. And um, certainly we've got no problem that people know. We are going to be there to be seen. Um, so it's not, about, it's not about saying, well, are they sitting somewhere? No, it's vehicles on the road. It's vehicle flow. For example, we've got a, we've got a big, at all the outer cities where you've got teams of people as you come in pulling over, giving you educational stuff, giving you road safety stuff, uh, information pamphlets. So we certainly want to be visible to ensure that road safety is at 365 days of the year, responsibility of every single person and not just one or two
0: people. Martins, thanks for joining us, Acting CEO of RTMC and earlier Committee Member of Women in Road Safety, Peggy Mars. That's it from our team, Tracy and Swaki Kuhu, Maruma Kakana and Apiwe Honono. Senior Producers, Aubrey Mpufu and Jake Mokomo, technical producer Judy Motupi, forum producers Ronald Piri and Tlingiwa Mabasso, chief producer Budzi Lokoto and executive producers Busi Siwe Chane and Aubrey Sechia. I'm Darshan Mudli, Thank you very much for joining me this morning. We'll catch up with you again tomorrow, 6 to 9 a.m. Stay tuned for Morning Talk coming up with Rowena Bird and your 9 o'clock news for listen with Utsi Lesako up next. South Africa's news and information leader.